You're listening to The Served Up Show, a podcast that features inspiring beverage professionals and topic experts that share their passions through meaningful content. Your hostesses, Bridget Albert, is best known as the Market Fresh Mixologist, an industry mentor with over 25 years of experience. And I'm Julie Milroy, best known for my passion for leading change and helping others grow in their careers. Grab a cocktail and sit back. Let's learn how we can make a positive impact in our industry. Hey, y'all, it's Bridget here. Today, we have the pleasure of hosting an exceptional chef restaurateur, Chef Lisa Dahl of Sedona, Arizona. With her renowned restaurants captivating palates around the world, Lisa has become a household name in the culinary field. Beyond her culinary prowess, she has also penned inspiring cookbooks, sharing her passion and expertise with avid food enthusiasts. Join us as we delve into Chef Lisa Dahl's incredible journey, where her son's enduring spirit serves as a guiding light, inspiring her every step of the way. Prepare to be inspired by her culinary creations, storytelling, and unwavering dedication to her craft on this extraordinary episode of Served Up. Chef, welcome to Served Up. It is such an honor and pleasure having you on Served Up today. I'm very excited to be here. Long awaiting this. Wonderful. Can you tell us about your background. And I know you have some background in fashion and how that experience has really influenced your approach to the culinary arts. Well, that's a great question. And I, that's something I, I like to ponder a bit. You know, it goes back to my mother who started her first businesses when she was just 19 years old and she opened women's clothing stores. And at the end of the day, she had four of them. But she was a very early entrepreneur. And I feel that that really did influence me. She was very progressive and very forward in her approach to merchandising. And, um, you know, that still is a correlation between what I do, because when you design and build restaurants, it's it's merchandising. It's 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 all of that, you know, and pretty bottles pretty dresses, pretty displays, they all kind of tell a story. So I give a lot of credit to my mother um, because she never wanted to be like a normal type of uh, retailer. She wanted to make a statement in everything that she did. Um, I'll never forget when we were kids, she was a decorator and she's really incredible ahead of her times. But we had animal print wallpaper when we were, you know, kids in our kitchen of all places. So she was very different than the typical uh, Indianapolis mother. And that was always fun. So we always were into the festivities and making things special and going over the top when it came to holidays, things like that. And I still do that in my restaurants because I think that. It's fun to give people an experience that's not just going out for a meal. That's really, really incredible. And I love your mom just sounds like she was an artist herself. 
Absolutely. Absolutely wonderful. Can you talk more about that time in your life in Indiana, you know, really learning from your mom? And then how did you transition really from the fashion world into culinary? Well, when I was young, my mother didn't really teach me how to do things. I would have to say it's interesting in that I think she more lived it. She demonstrated it. My parents were always working. Uh, My brother and myself were one year apart. We grew up in the business. You know, when we um, hatched, so to speak, (laughs) um, months uh, very shortly after, I'll have to say, um, my mother was back at work and we would go to the stores and we learned the art of hospitality. I fell in love with fashion, but it was funny. I always got the rejects because the things that would not sell were the more eccentric things. And it was always funny, you know, like the mini skirt that was a little too risque or some fabulously wild bohemian type of um, outfit. And it wouldn't sell because we were in Indianapolis. And so I would get those very progressive and uh, fun things. So. I have to say that my mother um, and my grandmother were both fabulous cooks and they weren't professional chefs. They didn't even think they were that good, to be quite Mm. honest, but they were very good. And I also had a very special person in my childhood. Um, I'll go back just a little bit. There were four of us born within five years. And so we had a nanny of sorts, and she was a fabulous soul food cook. And so when my parents would be out on their buying trips, they would go to New York often and go off and do their thing from time to time. And as soon as they left, my nanny, Barbara, would start cooking all kinds of really fun things that my parents wouldn't normally have, you know, just little different twist. Growing up with the kind of flavor that I had in between mom, between grandma and Barbara, I never had a boring meal. And we weren't, um, we never had anything that wasn't very natural. You know, back in those days, uh, being in Indiana, you have great produce, you had great meat. You know, I even say sometimes now, that my uh, Latin-inspired steakhouse is very much the type of food that I grew up with. Steak, potatoes, corn, tomatoes, all the goody things, but lots of great salads, lots of great food. And it influenced me in my cooking. But yet, the way I look at things, food is also fashion. And I think they, the two things tell a story. Um, If you let a restaurant, let's say, get stale or tired, your guests are going to know that. And if you don't make yourself look the way you want people to see you in that moment, in that expression, then you're not going to attract the same thing. So it's interesting to me how there's no separation in some ways with me. I will never forget many years ago when I first opened Tal and Di Luca uh, Ristorante Italiano, 
I'd come over from the Bay Area and I had been in the fashion business of sorts for many years. And I wasn't about to dress down because I was in Sedona. I always worked as a chef in the daytime, just looked like any old kitchen. You know, you know, I wasn't fancy, but at night I became the hostess and I would dress. I had all the clothes and a woman came up to me and she said, I want to thank you for bringing some glamour to this town. And it's like, it stuck with me. Oh, and I love that. Year, it really did. I mean, mm-hmm. I kind of have goosebumps. I wish I could remember her name. We're going back probably 24, 25 years, mm-hmm. but I'll never forget how she gave me permission to do what I was going to do anyways and always did. But in turn, that made guests want to come to our restaurants back in that day when we only had one. And then, of course, I had a second one a few years later. Um, But they were special occasion places. And it gave people the opportunity to make it a special night out, you know, and to express themselves in the way that they felt was romantic or whatever um, they wanted to do which was other than just hiking stuff, you know, (laughs) which is what Sedona was and still is known for. But when you come to our restaurants and you go to some of the more elevated ones, you can dress um, in a wonderful gown or do whatever you want. The only thing lately, as I'm sure everyone is aware of, many people these days are a little bit too risque. (laughs) <laughs> and I know that seems crazy, mm-hmm. but, you know, I'd like you to have some clothes on if it's possible. But sure. uh, for the most part, it's just really fun to see the outfits that people are wearing and and how they look so forward to making our restaurants a special occasion. That's wonderful. Can you talk to really that that moment when you left Indiana and on to the next part of your life journey? Absolutely. You know, I don't get asked that question very often. And so it's bringing up some very poignant memories for me. Um, I'm going to be honest. I was a single mother. And I, I left Indiana in a, in, a, in, a, in a flash of time because I was worried about my son being safe in the environment that we were in. And um, I packed up my stuff when my boyfriend was gone and I took my son, Justin, and we flew to San Francisco. And I lived there for um, well over 20 years in Marin County. And it was like a rescue for my son and I to get out of an environment that I will not say was violent. I want to make that very clear, but it wasn't the right upbringing because at the time my boyfriend was really an alcoholic and I worried about my son's safety and leaving him alone if I was at work. And so, you know, it was a very hard time in my life, but I left with nothing. I, I, my possessions, nothing. We just took our bags and we moved to Marin. Wow. Without knowing anyone in Marin, did you have family in Marin? I really only knew one person. I didn't have 
any family there. I had always been very adventurous. I was, Mm -hmm. you know, the kind of little rascal when I was in my teenage years and I ran away from home and my parents were extremely upset and I don't blame them. But I, I did know someone and I, I was fortunate that I, I found a great job. I worked in Sausalito and in the clothing business again, in a very uh, interesting boutique with handmade heirloom uh, vintage blouses that were imported from Java. It was very exotic, right up my alley. And I, I loved that. Um, my son, Justin, um, we moved when he was in first grade and we lived there for many years. I'm not sure if you know the next part of my life, but my son was killed as a good Samaritan in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. He went to um, the Haight-Ashbury on his bike rode over the Golden Gate Bridge to buy records. He was a record collector. He loved music. Mm. He interacted in a street crime, trying to retrieve a backpack from someone, and he was stabbed. Wow. And that made me compelled, or shall I say guided, to start my life over. I feel like Sedona chose me more than me really consciously um, knowing much about Sedona. But I'd been there once for a small trip and it was very healing and felt different and very special. But I also liked that it was still in the West, in the Western states. And I felt like I could stay connected, but not. live in the place that I had so many poignant memories. So that's what began my sojourn into the restaurant business. It's amazing. And thank you for sharing, you know, that space with me on Served Up. I'm also a mother. Um, I can't imagine. I don't believe that pain would ever go away. But I do want to ask you, you know, with the loss of your child, Justin, and just such an incredible, difficult um, experience, how did you find the strength to continue your journey, you know, in Sedona? How did you find that strength to to continue your your passion and keep that spark alive, you know, as long as you have? Well, um, there was, uh, first of all, there was a transitional period that led me to what I began to do 27 years ago. I didn't move immediately and start opening a restaurant. Um, It was a process. I still had to make a living. And I was still employed by a footwear company that I I had been in the footwear business for almost a decade. And what was very difficult was traveling back and forth, flying out of Phoenix, going and trying to go through the motions of what I had done for the past 10 years, going to stores, seeing all my buyers, all the things. It felt very hollow. There was, I, I was definitely not, um, 
I wasn't myself. I mean, how could I be? There was a lot more to that to the story that I was enduring, which was the court case and all of those things that, you know, I don't think would be good to even bring up. But I will say that very early on, I knew that Justin was with me. I really did. As a matter of fact, I very much refrained from saying that I lost him because I feel like he's with me here. I feel like he guided me to be on your show for all I know. But he has been my co-pilot and I don't I don't choose to let him go. So I felt his presence in very mysterious ways. Now, we had always wanted to have our own restaurant. That was like our fantasy. We talked about it all the time. I, even though I was in the fashion business as my career, was a damn good cook. (laughs) And Justin and I did love cooking together. The happiest times ever were that um, when his friends would come over and he had a lot of friends. And we would make meals and have fun and do a lot of cooking before it was really in trend like it is now to be, you know, what there was no TV shows about cooking or anything like that. Right, right. But we love to eat and we love that, that I grew up in a family that loved to eat. And so point being, um, an opportunity came up over a year after I moved and believe it or not, talk about, you know, inner strength. I actually tried to continue to work in the company that was, you know, my employer as long as I could and be a part-time chef in my new restaurant. It was unsustainable to say the least. And it was one of the most joyful times when I could actually say, I'm done. I'm not jumping on planes. I'm not jumping through hoops. I'm going to immerse myself in cooking because quite honestly, even to this day, when I'm cooking something or creating something or working with others in the kitchen that are interested in trying new things and doing what we do and in just being able to bond with people through cooking, I do forget my woes. And Mm. that's, I realized early on that when I would be doing that process of cooking something new, creating a sauce, creating a soup, coming up with things, it relieved my pain mm. at the time. And I, that's why I truly believe it's cathartic. And I know that that is um, the process that many people, when they find their passion, they find that that's their um, cure in some ways for what hurts them the most. I mean, I will say this, uh, that my son would not want me to stop living. I knew that quite honestly, I even felt and still do that. My son gave his life for me in a way that's very hard to accept but my son lives through me and we are able to touch 
millions of people. And I don't say that lightly. I don't say millions. I can tell you that probably over this last 27 years, through the the cooking and the joy of cooking and the reciprocation of the guest and the people that come to the restaurants and how they express um, their experience of dining with us, he's still coming through me in a way that is quantifiable. Just last night, um, I was at uh, Mariposa and I was just standing at the bar <laughs> having a champagne. And these two incredible um, East Indian people um, that live in Manhattan, we're, we say goodbye to everybody, you know. I can't let my guests walk out without saying goodbye. And they go, oh, are you Lisa? And I said, yeah, Lisa. And they go, oh, my gosh. We ate at your pizzeria and we loved it so much. We're from New York. We wanted to go back a second time, but we were able to get in here and we decided, but that was the best pizza. And, you know, it's just things like that. You don't, you can't uh, take for granted. I mean, I never, I never get tired of that. There's so much joy for me that comes through from what people experience in our restaurants, that it's an addiction. And I know that my son, I think about this a lot. I sometimes wonder, was he really taken for a higher purpose? And would he have been comfortable with the world the way it is now with the things that we see happening in, in our world? Was he taken to be on the other side to bring people over? It's the way I look at it. And yeah, he sounds, you know, Justin sounds like he's just truly your North Star. Yeah. He is. He, you know, he really is. It's, and so, I, it's, it's um, incredibly, you know, beautiful how you, you know, he stays with you and you've been able to have this beautiful journey as difficult as it may have been, but to grow into something that is really important to the community that you live in, right? And to others that come to to visit um, your community as well. That's really saying something and how you've been able to start off with one restaurant and grow it into a whole group and make it sustainable in a place where people want to visit and to really give them that love and that that beautiful joy that we receive when you, you know, go to a place that truly truly has hospitality first. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I have to, Hey, Justin, knock it off with the restaurants in Sedona, dude. Um, <laughs> and it's like, okay, enough because you know, it's not easy. And I can't even imagine. Can we go through your restaurants? Can you talk about the first one that you opened up Sedona and kind of go in through the process of the next one and what you, you know, would love to kind of map that out for our guests. Well, that is a pleasure to do. Um, Dalin Di Luca is now 27 years old. And if I had only one restaurant, it would be that. Um, sometimes I think, what was I thinking? Because some people say I built an empire, but 
to be honest, that was not what I attempted to do. Things happen organically. Dalanti Luca has a nickname. I call it the Shrine to the Divine. I really believe that Justin Spirit visits us there a lot. You wow. walk into the restaurant and your breath is taken away. And I find it interesting mm-hmm. that it's not just me that says that. Over the years, I have redecorated a number of times. The restaurant is absolutely stunning, but it's very charming. It's very humble. But it's what's so amazing is that it actually, and no one would ever know this in a million years, but it's actually an old Pizza Hut. And I, I didn't mean old, to say wait, time out. Time out. It's, a, time it's out. an old time Pizza out. Hut. Getting, no, we're going to get to that. That is <laughs> okay. funny. I, 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 got, I got my chron, chronological restaurants messed up. Let me That's say. That's okay. And DeLuca is actually an old Sonic Burger drive through And wow. you would never in a million years believe it. When I tell people their mouths just drop open, but it is, um, it is, it's such a gorgeous place with a beautiful patio. And when you dine there, you feel like you've kind of lost track of time. I have to tell you, you come in and of course Sedona is so gorgeous, but you walk in and it's like, you don't know where you are. What country am I in? Because it encapsulates um, the guest from the moment they enter. You know, I didn't ever think about having a view. So I always made my restaurants be environments that you would have lots to look at and the art and the color of the walls and the, the, the um, accoutrement to the table setting and things of that nature. So when I opened All in Toluca, I never envisioned having another restaurant. Nine years later, an opportunity to open a second restaurant came up. When I opened the second restaurant, there was nothing there except for the foundation of the restaurant in a, in a, in a plaza. It was unknown. I would say it differently. It was uncharted territory. Got it. Developers had shown me a rendering of what appeared to be almost like a armory, a complex, and it had these lovely rustic walls around it, almost like territorial in style. And it was twice the size of D&D. Everyone that heard I was going to try to open a restaurant there, said, you got to be crazy. It's, it's all of 20 minutes. If there was no traffic, it would be a 20 minute drive. So it's not far away, but it was completely undeveloped in that time. And I felt like the area was so gorgeous. And it's actually what I now have think of as the gateway to Sedona. Because when you come in and you're heading north from Phoenix or wherever you're coming, this would be the entry into Sedona, even though it's a different um, designation. It's called the Village of Oak Creek. So Cucina Rustica will be 20 years old this June. 
So that gives you a little, I guess maybe I don't have my years exactly right, but D&D is 27. Cucina will be uh, 20 in the summer. And I was able to design a restaurant with the help of an architect and the help of someone who really, he and I were co-visionaries, to be quite honest. It was a huge open space. And I wanted it to look like an ancient villa. Oh, wow. So I shopped for vintage doors, gates, windows, columns, antique pieces that my architect helped me to form into four separate rooms. As I had mentioned, the fortress wall looked very much, I mean, when I saw that front patio, which was not designed. I mean, it was dirt. But when I saw the potential for the patio, it's like, oh my gosh, this is made for events. You can have weddings. You can do all kinds of things that really would not be so easy at my original restaurant. Because at that time, D&D, as we called Dal and Luca, was very robust. It was, it had come on the scene and it had become the place to be. And it still is. (laughs) But in saying that, you would have to sell out the entire restaurant for a group rather than have separate rooms that you could do different things in having a party, maybe of 30 or 40 in one room, utilizing the front or the back patio for other events. And because of my menu and because of the layout, that's what we did then. And now we're starting to do that again since COVID has become less of a threat when it comes to distancing. Right. And so we're coming back in a smaller way, doing parties of 20, 30, 40, but we're still not as strong as we were that we just are trying to do an event every day, but we take the ones that will mean the most to the guest Mm -hmm. and to us. So it wasn't until almost a decade later that the opportunity to open my first pizzeria, here's where the Pizza Hut part comes in. There was an (laughs) old Pizza Hut (laughs) that that, um, very much looked like a Pizza Hut at the time. And it came about, um, we're nine years old now. And I had always wanted to have a wood fire pizzeria. At the time, prior, I had a partner and he didn't really want any more expansion. Um, Nor did he and I, at that point in time, we weren't collaborating very well. Mm -hmm. And I was fortunate. Again, I think Justin must have had a hand in this, but I was able to buy out my partner at the time. And then I could do the things I wanted to do. This Pizza Hut, to me, was so clever. It had a teeniest little, I mean, they certainly didn't have a wood-fired oven. And it had converted into a Mexican restaurant in the interim. But it still had that funny roof that was like that thing that looked so atrocious. So I said, off with the roof. Oh, (laughs) And on with the new. And I disguised it 
in a funny way because the the windows are inverted. They're that triangle that's kind of upside down square. And I did some fun things with that, painted the place espresso brown, bright green floors, what I whatever I did. Even to this day, people every once in a while say, was that an old pizza? And I said, yes, but that's very rare that they even see it. So I put in a wood fired oven and it's quite honestly the smallest wood fired oven that you could get um, perhaps maybe the second smallest because the opening that uh, there was only so much space that we could do that. So our oven, our wood fired oven only can fit five to six pizzas at a time. Well, let me tell you, um, that restaurant to this day can do up to 400 or more covers in a single day. It Chef, hang on a second. Hang on, pause for one sec. That is insane. Let's it just is. celebrate you. You get all the snaps. I wish I could. You're getting your flowers right now, right here. I served up today. What? It only fits like five Dang. little pizzas and you're doing, we're cranking out 400. A, that is wild. I'm How not going to lie. I'm not going to, I could exaggerate a little, but let me explain. First of all, that is magic in and of itself. And our pizzas are about 13 inch. We only do one size. They're artisan pizzas. They're outrageous. As I said, those people from New York want to fight it, but it's an art in being able to get pizzas in, rotate them and, and not have them collide or stick. But it's not just the pizzas that make the covers for the day. We have incredible antipasto plates, an incredible Tuscan tomato soup, big organic salads. I mean, it's just joyful. So the timing of, of the art of offering these wonderful intermezzos that will keep the the thing in balance. You know, and I'm not exaggerating though, when I do say that we do sometimes do 400 uh, covers a day, maybe even more. And that's a little bit crazy. But initially in the first year, we did not know as much about the pizza business as we do now. And we didn't have our timing as good as it should be. And Quite honestly, it was a great teacher. I did have a spiritual intervention through a friend of mine's son's dream. It came to me when I was ready to give up. And I'm not going to, I'm not making light of this. I wasn't very happy with the way things were going at all. And I thought, wow, we could fail here. My son came through in this dream that made no sense in that the fact that it came through someone's son who had never known Justin. And it gave me a lot of hope because he said, mom, get over it. I'm with you always. And it was very vivid because he was described exactly as he was. And this young man that carried this dream that his mother told me had certainly never seen Justin or knew nothing. He just, it was really something. Mm -hmm. I realized what we had to do. I did, I more than ever rolled my sleeves up and I knew we had some corrections to make in logistics. We turned it around. Here's the interesting part. I thought we were going to nosedive on the anniversary of year one, May 28th. We hit $1 million. Wow. That number 
has not seen to hit a million when we were doing, we were going down. Hmm. We turned it around in a very odd month, which is never busy. And we started to, it's like, a, I would say it's like an airplane, boom, 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 correct. And up. Now the restaurant does very close to three. Good. <laughs> it's amazing. So 50 seats, maybe you yeah. better believe. Come on. It's amazing. <laughs> I love it. From Pizza Hut to Pizza Castle. Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> and so that, that third, I do want to tell you a couple of funny things real quick about it. I have named some of our best-selling pizzas after my my love, my family members that have crossed over. Mm-hmm. And so I feel that they are with me. So our most famous pizzas are Da Dorothy, the Herbie, Da Dorothy, my mom, the Herbie. The reason I say Da, because my dad loves Chicago, grew up there. Oh, boy. And everything. okay. Da. Mm-hmm. Socks, the bears, all mm-hmm. that. And then Da Justino, which is our number one white, our Bianco pizza that is mm-hmm. delicious, prosciutto and arugula and truffle oil and ricotta and all of that. But every time that I hear those names coming over on the tickets as I'd be making them, I was like, they're with me. They're with me. 100 100 No, 100% that they're with you. I, I, you know, and you're in the one of the most, if not the most spiritual place in our whole country, right? I've been to Sedona. You can't go there and not feel something. You can't go there and not feel connected to nature. You can't go there and not feel connected to your people. And Absolutely. how beautiful that you get to live there and rejoice in their memories every stinking, every like stinking day. I think that that's um, what a gift. What a gift. See, I feel that veil is very thin. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, it was very sad for me that my dad did not. My dad was here for Dalantiluca and Cucina Rustica. He he was a very big part of it. But when he passed over, um, he didn't get to be physically in the go to Pisa Lisa. So I named Pisa Lisa with a P-I-S-A Lisa because my dad would always um pinch me and say, I want a little piece of Lisa. Oh, and that's cute. why I named it. So I would feel like he was there, even though physically he never mm-hmm. got to have double sausage pizza, his sure. favorite kind <laughs> at the restaurant. So, you know, it's selfish, but it, it makes me happy. And I think, I think they know. I think they do. Oh, I think they know too. So then take me from the pizza place. What's next? Oh God, I get so teary-eyed. I, well, well um, next is the big kahuna, as they say. It's it's its name is Mariposa Latin inspired mm-hmm. grill, and it sits on a bluff on top of this hill, looking out over spectacular view. And as I said, quite honestly, I never cared about the view. We're surrounded by views. I didn't covet having to have a view. I never thought. I'd have a restaurant that would have a view because those are hard to get. But every time we would drive by um, the lot, the lot when it was for sale, my mother, who's still a, very much alive, would say, Lisa, you ought to try to get that restaurant. It's like, Mom, come on. I no, no. I was very I was pretty busy with the three restaurants. 
this was um, something that I had not coveted, but an opportunity to build a restaurant there came about from a local family who thought because of my reputation that I would do a good job. And they offered me the property to co-develop with them. Wow. And I don't own the property. I want Mm -hmm. you to know. But I built a restaurant there that is spectacular. It's um, different from the others. It's quite contemporary, not hard contemporary, but very uh, huge glass windows. Everyone has the opportunity to have the view. Spacious patios, covered patios in the front, open uh, uh, patio um, terrace in the entrance, and then a big, gorgeous dining room about uh, close to 200 capacity inside, divided by two, two separate dining rooms. And a very spacious bar, huge bar, and uh, at least 100 seats outside. And it's a knockout. But I will tell you, there's never been anything I've done that has been as challenging as well as rewarding. It's, it's taught me a lot. It's not the easiest. Big restaurants were never something that I really, desired i might say it it has challenges that are things that i work on every single day i do spend probably a disproportionate amount of time in mariposa because it requires so much agility and if you don't have the right ratio of people in the kitchen to work in the three separate domains of of the of the expo then it's it's a little it's difficult but we're building back uh since covid a sturdy team but it's not as easy in sedona as it might be if this restaurant were in la or in new york or wherever uh, i don't care where the larger city scottsdale for all that matter it's sedona is a little trickier because we just have some challenges in terms of our workforce because so many people work two jobs. And so I'm always kind of caught in the throes. I'm training every day. As soon as I'm done with my podcast, I'll be interviewing a new chef. You know, it's it's an ongoing thing that I never thought I would be doing like I'm doing now. But welcome to the restaurant business post-COVID. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. We hear that story quite often here on Serve Up, absolutely. you know? Yeah. Absolutely. And especially if you're not in a metropolitan city, like you said, even Scottsdale, New York, Chicago, wherever it might be, it's, it's even more challenging. Absolutely. COVID certainly um, did uh, turn the restaurant culinary hospitality community, you know, on its head. No doubt. It absolutely did. And it's not over. And, you know, we all say this, but it, it just, it's had such a ripple effect mm-hmm. in terms of everything that, you know, it can be draining, but yet every day, the joy of making people happy 
their dining experiences somehow balances. And as we know, I have an angel and mm-hmm. he gives me strength. Um, I do want to mention along the progress of, of building these restaurants. I wrote a book 12 years ago called The Elixir of Life. Mm-hmm. And that was guided very much from Justin and I believe my father after his passing. And The Elixir of Life is the book that gave me my identity as a chef. Wow. Before that, um, I would always struggle because I had a very, had a very handsome and very good chef boyfriend for the first 10 years. And because back then it was very much a man's world, especially when you think of chefs. So I would work all day in the kitchen and then in the evening, and I'd be at Dolan DeLuca Cucina, I'd come out and people would, you know, acknowledge me, of course, mm-hmm. but they never recognized me as a chef. It was very hard on me because I worked very hard in the kitchen and I created all the foundations of the restaurant. My partner at the time was a very, very good chef. His specialty was more the Italian saute dishes that have become part of what has made us so honestly so famous in terms of delicate dishes, veal and seafoods and things like that. But the foundational sauces, the soups, the vegetables, the vinaigrettes, the dipping sauces, all those things were mine. And I felt I had to have my own voice. And so when the elixir of life came out, all of a sudden, people recognized me as a chef. And I mentioned that because that book is what gave me my gave me my identity as a chef. And I also, when I knew that I was building Mariposa as an independent person with no partner, the name Mariposa came to me, which represents freedom transformation because it's butterfly in Spanish. So as I was envisioning the design of the restaurant, all of those things, and the menu, I took a travel journey with my current boyfriend, um, who is a fabulous photographer, self-taught, just like me being a self-taught chef. And we went to South America and we we wanted to make sure that that cuisine was going to fit just right within Mariposa, which is a very, hate to say, but it does have quite a masculinity to it. And I mm-hmm. felt that a grill, a Latin grill with steak and seafood and lots and lots of vegetables was really going to sit well there. But I wanted to make sure. So I went to Argentina, we went to Chile and to Uruguay and trying the wines and of course going to Mendoza and going to the wine areas of um, Chile. And when I came back, we took the photography and the vision I had been writing the entire time because I had the title, A Romance with Food, long before the restaurant. I wanted to write a book called A Romance with Food. Mm-hmm. And I knew that, that would entail travel wherever that would be. But in this case, first journey that I was uh, immersing in to create Mariposa. 
we were able to capture such gorgeous um, video and photography that now is on the screens at Mariposa. So if you're sitting at the bar and you're having a drink or you're having a meal, you're looking at cooking demos and things that um, we captured and that eventually led to the book being written and collaborated through the photography. I stylize the foods, got shoots it, but it was, and still is, the stories that take you through the journey. And ironically, that book took so much longer than the elixir of life to write because there were so many more distractions. I opened Butterfly Burger, number five restaurant. During, not on the heels of Mariposa, it was planned long before, but opening that restaurant and the challenges of COVID made a romance with food take me over seven years to finally get it to manifest. And we began selling it. We began selling it Valentine's 2021. Mm-hmm. And now it's it's just it's gone crazy. I mean, we're so fortunate. Both books sell equally, which is really yes. funny to me. The Elixir of Life yes. is going into its sixth printing. And oh. I'm going to be redoing that book um, when we get the time. But we've almost sold out. We only probably have two cases of that book left because that was the journey of becoming a self-taught chef and restaurateur. And a memoir of the loss of Justin, who still lives with me, Mm -hmm. and the Italian cuisine into a romance with food, which is the Latin inspiration with a lot of emphasis on things that I didn't have in my first book, like grilled meats Mm -hmm. and homemade empanadas and things like that, and the soups that I've created for that restaurant. So the two make a a very handsome uh, sequel to each other. And, and it's really, it's really special that I was able to do that in my lifetime. Oh my goodness. Yes. And thank you for doing that. I mean, to really, to share your life through, um, through food, which is a language of love, right? I love that you say that. Absolutely. That is so special. No one ever said it quite so perfectly, but I love that that line just sounds incredible. Language of love is food, the universal love. Mm-hmm. I have mantra. I sign many of my books with this when it's the right um, inspiration. But my mantra, when you cook with love, you feed the soul. And that to me is the higher calling. We're not mm-hmm. just feeding the flesh. We're not. It's, it's really about giving someone a, a cellular memory of something, whether it's from their childhood or a point in time in their life. Sometimes we are creating for people that are going through hard times. Mm -hmm. It all matters with the language of love being food. It really does. You know, I would love to ask you, you know, how, how are you balancing creativity and innovation with all the practicalities lady running these successful <laughs> restaurants. And do you have some advice for our listeners that a lot of them are aspiring chefs and restaurant tours and beverage professionals? I think you have to find balance. I know a lot of people think that I don't 
know how to do that because I will admit that in many ways I feel that my businesses are my salvation. But emotionally, I have come to grips with the fact that you have to have a well-balanced life if you, you know, you can burn yourself out in a way that you maybe can't even get back to a healthy norm. I take very good care of myself, but I do. I mean, I get out. I'm in Sedona. It's so pretty. Every day I make sure that I'm walking. I I used to do a lot more exercise right now because I do have a a minor thing. I say minor. It's probably not as minor as I wish, but it's a cyst between my uh, L3 and L4. And so sometimes it can really seize me up and I can't do all the physical exercise I want, but I walk and um, hopefully this spring I'll be able to ride my bike as much as I love. So I get out and I smell the fragrances of nature and I take that in as I'm processing things. And I enjoy, you know, I, you have to find things that, that bring you comfort. You know, I've, I've got the cutest little doggy. Um, about five years ago, I got a multi poo and every morning he, as I'm laying in bed and just getting going, he'll lay on my lap or on my tummy and just taking in those moments to me is so it restores me and I'm able to get my my attitude in good shape. And I go out and I say, what's the day going to bring to me? And I try to be, I've, I've always been positive, but as soon as you get into a creative process that can be interacting with um, your coworkers or um, creating something wonderful. If you're a mixologist, you're thinking of new drinks. I know it sounds, it sounds um, trivial. But to me, the creative process is so restorative, no matter if you are an artist, a musician. I love to bring all those elements together and that it's addicting. And I think it keeps you young and I think it keeps you on your journey. And for me, I'm still enjoying what I do. I will tell you, there are days that I think, I can't do this another day because there are very, very big challenges, mostly related to continuing to find the employees, family members, meaning my employees that are as in love with the business as I am. And if you don't have people with equal passion, we could end up not being able to sustain this very fragile time that we're all going through. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, you know, it doesn't matter where your restaurant or your business or your bar, none of us have found a way to get back to what we yeah. grasping in the mm-hmm. past. Mm-hmm. And we keep that in our cellular memory to keep us going, but we also have to be very clear that um, the navigation is different now. And if, if you're not strong and you don't have a spiritual foundation and know that, you know, the work that we're doing is on a higher level, because for me, it was never about the money. 
you know, it wouldn't be it, it wouldn't be too bad to to get out of this deal with <laughs> the shirt on my back, you know, but it never was about that. So I don't equate my success with that. I equate it with the joy that that you see people have when they're when they're dining with us. And so it's been it's been quite a it's been quite a quite a journey. Well, chef, I just want to tell you, I think that you could possibly be my most favorite guest that we've had here on Served Up. I, I want to thank you for being vulnerable, for really sharing your full story. And I, I do know, I believe in my heart that you are inspiring a lot of folks that are listening um, that need inspiration today, that need inspiration to either do something different to make their day better, to make their careers better maybe to make their family life better. But I do believe that there's some power within this conversation that we just had. And for that, I thank you for coming on Served Up. And I want to just wish you some great health, first of all, <laughs> and a whole lot of peace, Chef. You are a delight, a wonder, and an inspiration. Thank you. Thank you. And may I close? By saying what this meant to me to be with you. And I had no idea what would unfold. I wouldn't miss it for the world. And I'd like to say, devoted to excellence and blessed by grace. Thanks for listening. Served Up is brought to you by Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. Produced by Zunu.online. Music by We Kill the Lion can be found on Spotify. Make sure to subscribe to be notified of future Served Up episodes. Cheers!